I know that I could see a vision and a future for myself that maybe I wasn't able to articulate. Maybe I wasn't able to put hand to paper what exactly it was, but I knew that there was something better for me. I decided that I was going to pack up all of my life and sleep in my car in Los Angeles. Welcome to the Self Starter Podcast, a place where stories are shared from women, just like you, who left the colorless corporate world with an idea and a passion and ran with it to create the vibrant life they always wanted to live. My name is Megan Tobler, and every week I'll be bringing real women to you to share their entrepreneurial journey in hopes of inspiring you to take the very first step of your own. Sometimes the hardest part is just to start. So come on, start today for you, start today for her, and become a self-starter. Let's go. Sometimes taking a leap of faith is what it takes to live your dream life. And that's exactly what this week's guest, Ursuline Aconquo, did. After being unfulfilled in her corporate role, she left all she had known to move to LA and did so without even having a place to call home. In our chat, she shares her unique journey that spans from the pageant world, sales, and now content creation that stands at the intersection of influence and advocacy. Learn how each step in her journey has prepared her for where she is today, how she leveraged experts, and the importance of getting clear on your unique gifts. If you've ever had a dream of your own, then this episode is for you. Ursuline, I was really excited to be able to dive in today's conversation, but hopping on with you and just absorbing all of your energy and hearing how many things we have in common, I'm just even more thrilled to be able to connect with you today. So thank you so much for hopping on the Self-Starter Podcast. Thank you so much, Megan, for having me. I've been so excited to have this conversation with you. Me too. Now, I obviously have done a little research into who you are, and we have had some really great conversations so far. But so far, what I've learned is that you are this amazing content creator. I wish I had stumbled upon you sooner. So for anyone that has not stumbled upon you already, tell us a little bit more about who you are and really what you do. Yeah. So I am a lifestyle content creator, and my main focus is in beauty, wellness, and social advocacy. And a lot of me making a decision to lean into these three pillars has everything to do with my life, the things that I've done throughout my life, whether it was doing pageants, whether it was leaning into meditation and spirituality and all the things that are intangible in order to ground myself in my journey towards a lot of the goals that I was pursuing And, you know, something that I found that's been very important, even especially in the last five years, six years, has been being in the weeds of what's going on in the world, understanding what social advocacy means is knowing what progressive thought and progressive people and progressive movements are happening, what's going on in the world, who it's affecting, how it's affecting them, getting educated on the data and the stats, and just being vocal and speaking out. That's been something that I've really loved to do as a a content creator, because I think that when you're creating content, you want to educate people. You want them to feel like they are understanding what it is that you're sharing, while, of course, showing all the things that I love to do around my city, traveling, and just kind of being regular schmegular LA girl here in LA. (laughs) Well, and I love that so much because I think sometimes that word content creator has changed so much over the years. At the very beginning, I think it was a lot of people like blogging and sharing the outfit of the day, but it's become so much more than that. It's really allowing people to have a platform and a voice to be able to give other people a voice too and to share some social causes. 
and to really stand up for maybe the little guys that aren't able to stand up for themselves. And that's clearly sounds like something that you've been able to do through your content creation. Is that kind of what I'm hearing? Yeah. And I think, I think a lot of what I have wanted to focus on is that a lot of the time people wish that they had the words to express how they're feeling. We all feel so overwhelmed with everything that's going on in the world. We're not blind. We all see the destruction that's happening in the world, you know, and it's almost like you can't ignore the politics and just the environmental issues and the socioeconomic issues that are plaguing people. And so oftentimes when I'm tapping in and I'm using the camera and I'm talking through what's going on in the world, it is almost like I'm kind of using the skills of, you know, having done hours of pageant interviews and hours of working with coaches who helped me understand how to dissect information and project it. It's almost as if I'm using those skills to verbalize what other people are thinking and feeling as well. Yeah, no, that's so important. And I know you've alluded to your past skills and the pageant life days. So if we could maybe just take it back and shine a light on what you were doing prior to content creation, I think that'll help give us a better understanding of really all these skill sets, how they've come full circle for you. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So the day honestly starts when I was in my sophomore year in college and I had just transferred from the University of Arizona over to Arizona State University. And I had actually been pursuing working as a pharmacist. My parents wanted me to be a pharmacist. It was like their passion that I got into our family business, which is pharmaceutical logistics. And I was a dancer. They had already taken all of these years of me having been a competition dancer. I had done modeling. I had done acting. And then as soon as I went to college, my parents were like, okay, so really, what are you going to do? And I'm like, I thought I, I, thought I was going to be a dancer. You know, I, I'm thinking I'm going to go into the creative or performing arts, but that was not an option for me. My college would not be paid for if I did not pursue what my parents were going to pay for, which was medical, anything medical. So my mom's a nurse, my dad is in finance, but he worked medical finance. So it was just one of those things where I didn't have much of a choice. And I also had to be the one to figure out how to pay for the remaining of my tuition. So my parents would only pay up to a certain amount. And then they made it my responsibility to figure out how to pay for the remaining. So I went online and my sophomore year, I was like, I got to figure out how I'm going to pay for school. This is a true story. I just looked up how to pay for college. And I think the cookies, you know, on the internet, they figure out you're a woman and they sort of, you know, algorithmically are figuring out who it is that's putting this search tool, like my location, who I am, and the Miss America pageant pulled up. It was the first thing on the search, had never heard of it. And as I mentioned, I was a competition dancer. I was a competition dancer for a decade up until that point and had already retired that. So I had about a year, maybe even a year and a half post being a competition dancer. And I thought, well, there's talent involved. I'll do a dance. <laughs> so I figured out the steps to how you can enter into the pageant and it was local level. So I saw Miss Phoenix and I was still in college and I had just gotten into ASU. So I would literally use ASU's gym that I would use their entire dance room to completely prepare for Miss Arizona, for Miss Phoenix. So I paid for a coach. She taught me a dance routine. 
every part of the community that I could figure out how to help involve in my preparation helped me win my very first pageant, had never done any pageant before that. And it really was just a matter of me trying to figure out all of the components that made someone successful in pageantry. So a personal coach, an interview coach, a dance coach. (laughs) I just figured out all these things. Okay, this is what you're supposed to do. You have to have experts in these different areas. So then you can be successful as, you know, a person who's representing your local city. So then I went to Miss Arizona and I placed in the top 10, one swimsuit and one two other awards while I was there. This is my first pageant. I mean, I'm just kind of going into it. May top 10. And that experience really was kind of like the the trajectory for everything that I would do thereafter. It was a mindset change. It was a mindset of what it takes to be really dedicated, understanding very complex political issues, having to articulate your thought in 30 seconds or less, and being able to convey it in a way where you're not alienating people. This is something that I use now, you know, you really want to think in the bigger, broader sense of who all are you thinking about? You're not just thinking about yourself and like your two close friends who are near you. Like, how does it affect, you know, somebody who lives in Washington? How does it affect somebody who lives in India? somebody who lives in Africa, somebody who lives in South Africa, you know, you really have to think through these topics. So yeah, at a really young age at 20, 21 years old, I was having to truly shape my mind and shape the way that I looked at myself physically and getting a presentation coach. I mean, it was a lot. And you know, my, like I told you, my parents were the ones who made me pay for college. So all those other things, I also had to pay for on my own and figure out little loopholes or figure out little ways that I could work with my community to help me. Like I still, even to this day, many years later, I still attribute this time frame as one of my most successful two years of my life because I got a publicist. I was working with like the governor. I had gone to NASCAR. I had done so many amazing things during those two years simply because I just wanted to make the best of myself, but also I was trying to figure out how to pay for college. <laughs> wow. There's so many things right there that I want to just unpack for a second here. The first part is your family, because I think that this is a huge thing that a lot of people deal with is the fact that their family has different ideas of what the future should look like for their children than maybe that their children had in mind. I mean, clearly you spent your entire childhood growing up in the arts and all of a sudden you're thrust into the college world and they had a different idea of what kind of your life would look like for you moving forward. And so you kind of had two options. You had option one is potentially get all of your college paid for by your parents and go down the medical path, which sure that could have been fulfilling in some capacity, but it really wasn't, it sounds like who you truly were at the core or you could take the path that you chose to take, which is a little bit more of an adventurous route to say the least. Whenever you take something that's out of like the traditional corporate role, medical Mm -hmm. role, government, things like that, it's not as paved and there's a lot less predictability. You have to pave your own path. And you clearly were not afraid to do that for yourself. And you got really scrappy. And I really admire that because I mean, how many people 
would look up how to pay for college and land into the pageant world. This is an absolute first that I've heard <laughs> of for sure. I know you said that you had to pay for college as well as the pageant world. So how did you manage to fund both of these simultaneously while you were kind of bringing on all these different awards? Yeah. So the one way was I did have a part-time job that I maintain, but in addition to that, I was looking online and I was using, literally using internet searches to try and find tuition reimbursement or like anything that was just going to take care of college. And there were two actually that completely helped me pay for the remaining half that my parents were not going to pay for. So one of them was Shirley G. Schmidt, she is an entrepreneur and it was an entrepreneurship scholarship. And I won it every year from sophomore year, junior year, senior year. And it's a whole thing, but Shirley is an amazing woman and she only picks eight people every year that will receive this college tuition scholarship. So that was one part. And then also paying for college was the pageants because you win money when you win the pageant. So each level, you win a certain amount of money. So I would just use those funds to help me pay for my tuition each year. From my sophomore year up until senior year, I would do a new pageant. And each time when I would win the pageant, that money would go to school. And then of course, working. So it was a lot. I mean, I don't even think that I remember having normal sleep those last three years of college because I was doing extracurricular things in college. I was the president of the American Women's Business Association. I was doing a lot and you brought up family and I am the firstborn and first generation American. I'm Nigerian American. So when my parents immigrated to this country, whether they verbalized it in this direct tone or you know, really beating it into us, which, which they didn't, but when you're a first generation born kid, you know that you can't be bringing home C's, D's and F's. Like you've got to be bringing home A's. And if it's an A minus, you got to make an explanation. <laughs> you got to be an overachiever. And a lot of my culture, I'm Nigerian. A lot of my culture has a lot to do with pride and what your children are doing. And, you know, how well they're doing in life, what it is that they're doing. And so, again, even if it's not this huge direct, like, you need to do this, it's the words that they're using. So what else are you going to do? And I've had to dissect this, you know, I'm, I'm telling you this as a person on the other side, while it was happening, I don't realize that this is how it is. But I'm saying from the outsider's perspective, now I can finally evaluate my experience and know that it's the way that I was raised and the words and cultural implications of my culture that influence why it is that I did so many organizations and try to pursue so many things and didn't get a lot of sleep just so I can pursue my life in a way that, you know, could feel fulfilling. Yeah. And I mean, I know that your parents sound absolutely incredible. It sounds like they just really wanted what was best for you. And they really truly thought that the life in the pharmacy or medical field was that life for you. I think that it's very clear that they didn't have any bad intentions in everything that they did. They just really wanted you to have more opportunities than potentially they had. So they sound like really great people. Then you decided that you wanted to continue the, I mean, I would like to call it like you have like a very much like an achieving personality. 
Sure. Where, but you're also very self-aware of that. Like you said, you're yeah. very able to dissect it. You were involved in all of these different organizations and you were very successful at them. I mean, I, I can't say I've ever talked to someone that has won pageants like this before, but <laughs> I can't imagine that the first time that you get into these different pageants that you're just winning immediately. That's not normal. So what do you attribute like your success to being maybe from someone else that's just starting out, but not really seeing that immediate success like you did? Yeah. I love this. I've even thought through this because I do think that one, I'm going to say two different things. One is when you're a person who is a high achiever, you don't even feel that. It doesn't even feel that way. Like to me, I'm just like, these aren't good enough. <laughs> um, and that that sucks. You know, there's like a mentality behind where that comes from. You know, I keep referencing the immigrant parent reference to wanting to do more, but it really is not a very good place to be and it's very unhealthy. So that's one. The second piece to this is I do believe that you can have a natural extension of your personality, a natural extension of something that you can't even control yourself. You know, you walk into a room and you're the person who's talking. You're the person who people are magnetizing to. Maybe you're a party planner. Maybe you just naturally know how to put great parties together. And that is a natural extension of you. Maybe you're a super diligent and organized person and that's your thing. Nobody can take that away from you. I, I personally believe, and I'm sure there are many parents too with little children who will say this, you can't ever predict how your children are going to be. Like you can't predict their personality. There's no way. You just sort of get to experience this child and nurture their personality the best that you know how as a parent. And if they're a silly person, nurture that. You know, if they're really serious, nurture that. Figure out ways that it'll help them in their lives. Unfortunately, my parents were still new to this country. So a lot of them being able to nurture these natural extensions of me kind of fell short. Once I was done with high school, they kind of saw it as a phase, but that was a natural extension of me. Being in the performing arts, being creative, being a person who expresses through creativity was a natural extension of who I am. And so for people who are starting off in the entrepreneurial route where they want to figure out what it is that they're good at, be very diligent in taking the time to figure out what that is and then delegate everything else that you know you're not good at to other people. Kind of relating back to what I was talking about where I didn't know how to present myself. So I had to hire someone to help me with that. I had to hire a pageant coach. I had to hire a person to help me with interviewing. Get really good at the things that you're really good at and don't feel discouraged by the areas that you're not good at. Because once you start to realize these things, and as we talk through and we move even through the trajectory, these are things that I continue to do. I just will make sure that I figure out what is my budget or how it is that I can budget out. Having other people who are experts to help me and honestly acting like my own CEO in a way and delegating areas that they're really good at so then I can truly shine in where I'm good at. I was actually just having a very similar conversation with another woman today about delegation. And I think especially when people are starting off as an entrepreneur, sometimes they're hesitant to be able to delegate right away. Maybe it's because they think that they want to do it all. They have something to prove in themselves, or maybe it's the fact that maybe the funds are limited. But right. the fact is, is that everyone has their different, I call it areas of genius that you can't really be a genius. In, I mean, if you are, then all the power to you, but most people aren't, they're not a genius in all different areas. Sure. So it's really like grabbing on to those areas that you know that you can excel very well at 
and leaning on others. And like you said, delegating those tasks or potentially like seeking out help from the coaches like you did to be able to help you in the areas where you maybe need a little bit of help. And sure, can you succeed without delegation? Sure, it might take a little bit longer. Yeah. It's going to be a lot harder to do. So it sounds like you clearly knew that from early on and you were able to get access to those resources to be able to help you find the success that you were really craving and to be able to pay for all the different endeavors like the rest of your college tuition here. So absolutely Mm -hmm. incredible. That was really the start from what it sounds like of your entrepreneurial career. So once you decided to do the pageants, what was kind of the next step in your entrepreneurial journey here? So I will say that as I was thinking through a lot of, gosh, the last two decades, honestly, of just the world changing and honestly, every industry has changed. I think that I've had to lean in and out of what was a natural extension of me and what was survival. And that can be really taxing on your soul. That can be really taxing on your mental health, your mental well-being. And what do I mean by that? So once I graduated college, we hit the recession. So even if I wanted to continue to pursue the performing arts, even if I wanted to abandon my college degree, my degree was in global business and financial management, international financial management. And so most people know this about me, but I'm really great at understanding how to diversify my funds and really make money work for me in this way. But it didn't always help because once the recession hit, I was with everybody else where we're scrambling for jobs. I had to not only lean out of my degree, because that was just, again, something I was doing that I felt was a natural extension of who I was, but I was still trying to appease my parents with something because I wasn't going to do medical, but mm-hmm. I did land in business. I wasn't going to lean into performing arts because I had now retired dancing and I really needed to figure out what could be a natural extension from working in front of the camera and doing all the pageant opportunities that I was doing, which was a lot of in front of the camera, a lot of public speaking and a lot of involvement in the community. I needed to figure out what that meant, but it wasn't clear. I mean, it it really wasn't clear. And because of the noise from the recession and trying to figure out how to survive, I had to just take on any job that I knew could work for me. And so I landed in sales And I actually landed in sales for quite some time. I think like even four years after college, I was working in sales as my main source of meeting people, honing in on a skill set of how to convince people to buy products and services that even myself sometimes were just so over my head. And it's a very fluctuating job, especially when you need to be producing numbers in order to get commissions. And it was not... In hindsight now, I wish that that was not the only option, but for a lot of people who were in my same shoes, going into sales ended up being like the thing that everyone was doing. Um, And I was really unhappy. I was living in Arizona and that was not where I believed my life was meant to be flourishing in. And so it just took a lot of self-reflection and I had to make a decision that I think is not an easy decision a lot of people would make. I decided that I was going to pack up all of my life and sleep in my car in Los Angeles. That was the actual life decision. I was so desperate for change. And I think, again, I can only make these reflection points now, several years later, but I know that I could see a vision and a future for myself that maybe I wasn't able to articulate. Maybe I wasn't able to put 
hand to paper what exactly it was, but I knew that there was something better for me. I didn't know what it was, but it had to have been better than pursuing dead end jobs, not being able to do what I wanted to do, which was, you know, performing arts because I'd already retired dancing. And I just needed to set out to a place that seemed like the possibilities were endless. And so I ended up moving to LA, not immediately sleeping in my car. I actually had a pageant mom's reference who had reached out to me and she had seen that I was making little visits to LA. And she was like, Hey, if you want to stay in my place, I've got an extra room. You can stay here temporarily, but it wasn't in LA. It was all the way in orange County. And so because of the complexity of driving to orange County, I kind of gave up and ended up sleeping in my car. And that's kind of the start of me consecutively and intermittently sleeping in my car during my journey here in LA. That's incredible. And I can relate to the sales background. I spent almost a decade in sales and I completely understand what you're talking about. But I do think that there is a skill set that sales gives you, just like the pageant days gave you a skill set in some areas. I think um, when you do have a quota to hit, you are really responsible for your own book of business and you're kind of like the CEO of your own business. So I personally think that any person that is looking to get into entrepreneurship, there is a lot of benefits to being in sales because it kind of gives you a thick skin. And I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've been told no in my life. And it just like goes over my head at this point. I'm like, okay. (laughs) Yep. So I can be told no all day, every day. And it really doesn't phase me at this point, but it also allows you to understand kind of what's needed in order to achieve your goals. But I really like that you recognize that that wasn't your calling. You were meant for more and you were willing to do anything, literally sleep in your car in order to make sure that you were getting closer to your dreams, not further away from them. What kind of was your dream? I know that you wanted to do more like public speaking and on-air personality stuff and really go into the performing arts. So when you got in the car, you left Arizona, you headed out to LA with the potential of sleeping in your car. Like what was kind of going on in your head at that time? So I, at that point, and this part of the story is me still leaning into the sales jobs because that was what I knew. It was pursuing jobs here in LA that could at least be stomping grounds for me. Like it was a familiarity, but it wasn't what I really wanted to do. I'll say this. I think that I had seen other women who I looked up to in the pageant world and I had seen what they were going after, which was on-camera work. You know, they were on red carpets. Mm -hmm. They were not only on red carpets, they were also on TV shows And these are women who might seen were Miss California or they were Miss Washington, USA, or they were Miss America, you know, 2003. And I'm thinking to myself, I love this. I I love this. I love talking and I love being the vessel for information. And I think that when I had to really, even if it was at a surface level and I had no idea what the heck I was thinking or feeling through, I had to figure that out. And so I sought out... I'll never forget this. Her name is Brandy Malloy. She she did pageants in Sierra Vista. And I had reached out to her and I was like, can I take you out for dinner? I really just want to ask you more questions. Like I see everything that you're doing. And she was the one that gave me the direction to take on doing actual hosting classes, classes where you can learn every dynamic about how to be a successful host. And I did that. I actually did that for three years. And, you know, these are not times where I had like loads of income, you know, these are times where 
I have now stepped out of living in my car and I've finally gained some stability, some stability in a way. And I'm making sacrifices to pay for hosting classes. So then I can try and be the best that I can in this area that I'm exploring. And, you know, I would land my own little freelance gigs here and there. But again, this was an area that was still new for me. And I needed to figure out like, what was my niche? Was it pop culture? Was it celebrity news? So yeah, this was the most natural transition out of doing pageants. We're still in the discovering phase of who I was, but I had to explore that. I had to get with an expert and I had to see if this was an area that I knew that I wanted to be in. Well, and clearly you have gone out of the discovery phase at this point and you yeah. are financially successful. I mean, I know people can't really see the background as they're looking <laughs> at the podcast right now, but you are in a beautiful setting. I know before we hit record, you're living in your dream city at this point. So you've been able to make a lot of these dreams a reality. So I definitely want to dive into kind of, you took all of your experiences from the pageant world, from the sales world. You figured out the on-air hosting and you mentioned that you really liked being a vessel for information. And I think that's really what you've been able to do as a content creator. There's a a huge similarity from what you were doing with the on-air hosting days to what you're doing now with content creation. So how did you transition all of the on-air hosting into what you're doing today? So first thing that I think is so important to highlight is What happened between 2019 to 2020? I mean, I think in so many ways we can all agree 2019 to 2020 was just a whole world awakening. I'm not sure if there was some portal that opened, (laughs) you know, of course we saw COVID and of course we saw just the ways in which the world was either coming together or not coming together. That was a very, very pivotal moment. So I know that right now we are still living in history right now because we're only four years after, three and a half years after this moment of pivotal changes, but it really actually truly was a pivotal change for me. I had started a YouTube series that it hadn't gotten as far as I had wanted it to, but I had created the series to sell this concept to someone like NBC, who does NBC Gives. The concept of celebs that give a bleep is highlighting what celebrities are doing to give a F about the world, you know, like what is it that they are into? You know, a lot of people wouldn't even know that John Legend has an organization that focuses on the prison system. You know, he had a relative in his home that went to prison. And so he made it his mission to get people out of jail. A lot of people wouldn't even know that or that, you know, Bethany Frankel during the hurricanes, she had donated so much money. And so I would make these one minute bite-sized clips that educated people on these facts about celebrities that they love, but they didn't even realize are doing like really huge things in the background. And so what I realized was there was a, a moment here, I had started working for Facebook and it was Facebook at the time. So I was really ingrained in how it was that social media impacts people. I mean, I was like in it. And I also was working with a team who was working with clients to create the campaigns that touch you and I, you know, like when you open up the app and you see a cool campaign by Louis Vuitton, or you see a campaign with Sephora or Pepsi, like I was on the team that was helping create those campaigns with those clients and those brands that you and I got to touch. So I think there was a lot going on behind the scenes with me in the world that really changed how I was looking at social media, but also 
how it compared to the impact that doing celebs that give a bleep was giving. And it was that when on social media, you can create a community. We had now launched Instagram stories from 2017 on. So there were a lot more ways that you could reach people and educate people and give them the space and the comfort in their own home to see what it is that you're sharing. And so this time frame, 2019 to 2020, was me giving people glimpses into things that I was seeing. Like, did you know, you know, about the Jim Crow laws? Did you know about redlining? Did you know that the reason why that there are communities who are still in this type of detriment is because once redlining was removed, these communities were never revamped. You know, like there was a lot of information that whether it was my friends who were educators and teachers for me were teaching who maybe didn't have the same voice and didn't have the same confidence to share that i would be a vessel for the knowledge that they would be giving me you know i'm first generation nigerian but i have friends who are who are jewish who are indian who are korean who come from so many different backgrounds and tell me their stories but then they don't feel comfortable being the person who's going on camera and talking about it so i like to be that person through my stories there were many times in the past, more than now, where I would just vocalize. I don't even know if the word would be distaste, but just my rage, my anger <laughs> about the things that were going on with communities that deserved better and wanting to be on the right side of history. And so there was a shift. There was a true shift from being an on-camera host who's meant to be talking about pop culture news to we need to stand up for these communities that need our voice, that we need to know and understand if we don't voice our concerns, they could be affected, you know? So I think that that was kind of where it was. It was world changing that really changed me thinking that working on camera and doing on camera work and doing red carpets wasn't as valuable as using Instagram and my platform to use it for a better way of communicating. Sounds like you are really passionate about being able to make an impact and really being able to give a voice to others that maybe aren't confident or can't stand up and really have a voice for themselves. But there's one thing to be said about obviously having the impact and speaking up and making sure that you're standing up for these other folks, but you also have to make an income doing this as well. So I'm curious how you've been able to monetize the content creation as well as being able to really stand up for others and, and have this voice. Yes. So that has been something that I have truly felt has been a very rewarding pathway because it's actually been short-lived. I am a product of the mass layoffs at Meta and November, once they laid us off, I was so excited to finally focus fully and full force on content creation. So I think a lot of it kind of goes back to trying to tap into experts. So I would start to look for people who are really successful as content creators having meetings with them, talking through what it is that they're doing to be successful. And I even joined a program where I could understand more about what successful full-time influencer slash content creators do and just understanding how to reach out to brands, you know, and that has been something that I not only had to do for myself and learn on my own, but when I was working at Facebook, I would work with creators and I would learn from them and understand, okay, so what are the ways that you are monetizing? And so I kind of took little tidbits from the creators that I would talk with, 
then took tidbits outside of working at Facebook, learning from people who I'm reaching out to. And now it's kind of just been where I am trying to focus on doing fun experiences and relating those fun experiences to how it is that I can provide a service to them. What is it that you're looking for? You know, is it more brand awareness? Okay, if it's brand awareness, let's come up with a story. Like the story would be that, and this is a campaign that I had done recently this year where they were really trying to focus on increasing their brand awareness. And so it was just coming up with a story on something that was personal to me and then attaching that as the way to create the content. Or if it was an increase in sales, which technically I have not landed anybody who has come back and let me know that they had a correlation and an increase in sales. But my main focus now when I'm landing campaigns is trying to figure out truly how it is that I'm working in partnership with the brand with the goals that they are trying to achieve. My corporate mindset has not changed because that is how it is when you're working in the corporate world. We start the year off, we have a budget at hand and we're trying to figure out at the end of the year, what are the goals that we want to try and hit? And so I am now coming to those same brands or corporations and asking them, what are the goals that you're trying to hit this year? How is it that I can help you? You know, I'm a storyteller and I also have trained as an on-camera host let me help you. You know, this is how I'm able to edit. This is how I'm able to produce actual content. Um, and sometimes I throw out my media kit and I throw out other examples of work that I've done, even if it wasn't my own work, but work that I've done when I was working at Meta. And so far it's really helped me sort of maintain my life outside of working a full-time corporate job. And as you're speaking here, I just can't help but think about your sales background. I mean, I know it wasn't what was lighting you up inside, but just hearing (laughs) you talk about this, the skills that you were able to obtain within the sales profession, you are doing that today within your own business because you're having to go out and prospect new businesses and sell yourself and your services now. That's a huge part of your journey. It's like one of those things that sometimes I believe that even though you may not be lit up in the moment, like things are presented in your path for a reason. And your sales background might've been the little thing that you needed at that point in time in order to help prepare you for what you're doing today, because this is really what's fueling you and like allowing you to make a really great income for yourself and live in your dream city. Like what we were talking about. Megan, you know what? I was hoping on this podcast that I would be able to have, you know, an aha moment and you just brought on a new one. You know, every day you can discover something new about what has been. Yes, 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 absolutely. And that is something that I have been embracing only more now. I'm going to be even more candid with the people listening. I've only been truly taking in and appreciating all of the not so fun moments of my career in the last six months. I worked as an executive assistant. So having to be ultra organized Mm -hmm. and having to have an actual process in place. Okay. Well, now I have a process in place for myself. Now I'm actually very ultra organized for myself as opposed to for somebody else. But I would not have even thought through that my confidence in going after brands is from my sales background because I even did call center work. There was a moment when I was in high school where I was working in a call center, like that was my job. (laughs) Well, and as an executive assistant too, I mean, you're dealing with the C-suite, you know how to talk to these people, you know what they care about, and you know how to confidently put yourself in those rooms 
to be able to speak their language. So, I mean, there's so much about your background that just is all like intertwining here. And I know when you're going through things and I'm sure people are listening to it and they're in similar situations where they're maybe scratching their head, not understanding why they're in a certain situation today. But ultimately, once you're a little bit further ahead and you're able to look back and reflect, that's when everything is just kind of like the aha moment. Oh, that's why it was supposed to go through that. And it kind of sucks in the moment sometimes. It really does. I'm I'm sure you really did not want to be sleeping in your car, but those little things allow you to really be appreciative of how far you've come and really the journey along the way today. I'm just completely blown away by your story, to be honest with you. (laughs) I actually really love what you just said there, because I do think that you don't realize it in the moment. It's something that's happening. Mm -hmm. You want to make sure that you're making decisions that do add into your story and weave into all your chapters. But yes, you absolutely have no idea until you turn around and look back and realize that it all was adding up to a bigger picture. Definitely. And I know that we were talking about your parents and the path that they wanted you go down in the medical field. I'm curious, since you've made that shift, clearly you've gone in a different direction. Like how has your life changed since really making that decision to go after your dreams and not someone else's? Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, I think for anyone listening, I would take a moment to think through where you feel you are holding stress. And where you think that you feel it every day and where you've normalized it. I was holding it here in my throat. And I even thought that I needed to go to an ear, nose and throat doctor. Like I genuinely was like, there is something going on. I'm feeling this tightness in my throat. The moment that I was laid off. So I've been laid off three different times. And they have all pushed me in a new job. And I've had to ask for more at every single job. I think I've at every job, I've made sure to ask for twenty to $30,000 more. And as soon as I said that I am no longer even going to ask for more money from another company and that I am going to self-generate and I took time to deprogram from having been in a corporate environment and being around corporate-minded people, the ball in my throat has disappeared. Wow! I don't even feel stress. I literally every day feel relaxation in my body. And I know maybe people were thinking like, oh, it was going to be like, you know, oh, now I'm, you know, making X amount of money. That's actually not what I'm focusing on. I'm focusing on how I feel. And the reason why I say that And I've had this thought process before where we don't even know what we're doing on this planet. We know we know how to procreate and we know we know how to build stuff, but no one has given me a real reason for why we are here as humans. No one's given me a reason. We're here because what? We all make up the reason why we are here on this planet. And so for me, I have made it my life's mission to make sure that I am focusing on what I'm naturally good at, how it is that I need to get to my goals. So working with experts, working with people who know more than me, figuring out how it is that I can do that and honing in on my voice and my story, making sure that I am very, very comfortable talking out loud about who I am, my story, why it is that, you know, I've made the decisions that I have made in life. And I think for me, taking on this journey, taking on an entrepreneurial shift is something that 
is a journey that I'm supposed to be taking on and not necessarily a journey that every single person needs to be taking on and why it was that I made the decision to sleep in my car and why it's not a decision for somebody to do to sleep in their car. I had a vision for myself that no one else would have been able to have seen for me. No one else would have been able to see for themselves. I had to be the one that had to make the decision. I didn't know what it was, but I knew that there was something better. And once I got very clear with all the decisions that I've been making and everything that I had to do and all the sacrifices that I had to make and the risks that I had to take, I realized that I no longer have to rely on a company or a corporation to give me the self-satisfaction or the feeling of self-worth that I thought that I needed to get from being attached to a company. And I think that that's really scary for a lot of people to arrive to. How you get there could be from a layoff. How you get there could be from being fired or how you get there could be from a life decision that you just leave your job and you decide that this is not the right thing for you. I think it's just getting clear, getting clear about what your natural extension is of your personality, work with people who are experts and truly get clear about your story and who you are, because all of those three things will tie in and really, truly traject you to where it is that you're trying to get to. Wow. That is so good. And I know personally from experience, I was launched into entrepreneurship because I was faced with a layoff myself. And it was like, do I continue to go down the corporate path in a direction that I know was no longer serving me? Or do I just take this as an opportunity to go all in and bet on myself? And I mean, I chose to bet on myself as you did. And what I thought was really interesting about what you're talking about, you were feeling a lot of things in your throat. I've had some conversations with women and they talk about the different chakras that you have. I believe that's what it is. And when you felt kind of that tightness release, it was allowing you to have a voice again. Yes. And so no longer were you tied to the corporation and being silenced potentially. Instead, you were able to really be yourself. You were able to be whoever you wanted to be, do whatever you wanted to do. And that's exactly what you're doing today. And I mean, this has just been such a absolutely inspiring conversation. I'm curious because you have done different endeavors in your life. You've made sacrifices in order to get you to where you are today. So if there is a woman out there that's really resonating with your story, that is wanting to take the leap and to do something where her soul is calling her to dive into a little bit further, what kind of advice would you give her? Oh, gosh, I really want to think through this, too, because I do think that There are a lot of women that even in my own life who really want to take the leap of faith, but it's so scary and so hard. I will say this. I think that having a plan in place, if that is available to you, and I think that that's the biggest key. If you can have a plan in place that you know that can at least set you up for six months, take the leap of faith and know that it's going to work out. And part of that plan should involve working with experts because guess what? You have to have help. We are not in a world where we're meant to be doing anything by ourselves. So I would encourage someone to make sure that you create a plan. Now, if you don't have a plan, because I didn't have a plan in many of these instances and many of these transitions, I think it's important to get really truly grounded with what is a gift that you know that you only possess and figure out how it is that you can share that with the world. If there were artists 
that kept their music from us, we would never have those songs. If there were authors who kept their books from us, we would never have those books. If there were entrepreneurs who didn't make it a point to be public speakers, we would never be inspired. So I would just encourage any woman who is sitting on sharing her gift with the world, get very clear with what it is and figure out how it is that you can share your gift because there's no way that more people can be inspired by you if you hold that in and you aren't able to use your talents for the best of the ability that, they, that you can. So good. The world needs more of you. That's for <laughs> sure. <laughs> Ursuline, this has been such a wonderful conversation. If people wanted to find out a little bit more about what you're doing and follow you on all the social channels and keep up with your content, where could they go ahead and find you? Yes. So I'm actually at Ursuline TV across all social media. So U-R-S-U-L-L-I-N-E TV. Wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing your story. Like, as I mentioned, I'm completely in awe of everything that you've gone through up until this point. And I just cannot wait to continue to follow along your journey because it's a great one. Thank you so much, Megan, for having me. So appreciative. Ursuline's story is one of passion, resilience, and grit. From a young age, she understood her strengths and knew that she wanted to find a path that allowed her to embrace her natural creativity. And she did just that. Ursuline gave us a real glimpse into the highs and lows that went into getting her to where she is today. She was able to embrace every challenge presented to her by leaning into it as a learning opportunity, which then propelled her into her next endeavor, ultimately allowing her to use her strengths to help others through influence and social advocacy. In this raw and vulnerable conversation, she urges you to get grounded with your gifts that you possess and figure out how you can share them with the world, just like she did. So let me ask you, self-starter, what are you going to share? Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Self-Starter Podcast. If you like what you heard, be sure to like and subscribe to stay up to date on the latest content. Want even more? Be sure to head to selfstarter.com. And remember, start today for you, start today for her, and become a self-starter. See you next time.